So I'm going to um, try to respond to a couple of questions this evening. So one question here. I've been meditating consistently for over a decade. However, I have not yet seen nimitta, nor have I been able to achieve a deep level of calm or concentration. Despite my efforts to let my mind and mental formations go, my meditation typically ends up being a rumination session. I'm deeply saddened. Serious doubt over my ability to meditate. Do you have any suggestions? Well, the question is phrased um, in terms of achievement, efforts to steady, um, trying to let things go. And I can understand the uh, problems. And of course, it's not always easy to get these things in words, but it seems as if um, you're trying too hard to achieve something and uh, you're actually working from the wrong basis. It's the working from the basis of the mind, <laughs> uh, uh, which, uh, well, so where else you work from? Well, you have to get your, what you understand your mind to be. And here your mind is strongly configured as intention. Intention to, to achieve something or witness something or experience something. And that uh, mode of mind, although intention is certainly part of what mind does, you've got to balance that with attention. Is the ability to just be receptive. And here your intention is to keep your receptivity simply attuned to the rhythmic, to the body, the experience of having a body, not a particular point in the body, but the overall sense of there's a body here. It's kind of pulsing and feeling and sensing and doing this and that and the other. But the constant quality of it is it's present. And it's breathing. Despite all the circumstances that change, there's a sense of something here that has a quality of, well, present, isn't it? And there's a sense that's solid, solid. Uh, it's energized. Got space around it. And so just listening into that. And this is an unusual way to talk about a body because clearly most of our experience of body is configured around the visual impression we have from the outside. Right? So we, we've all seen bodies, many of them. And this is where they are, the head, shoulders, knees and so forth, the whole thing. That's what a body is. No, that's actually what the visual impression of a body is from the outside. So, 
I think, okay, so breathing in and breathing out happens through the nose, and it goes down into the lungs, and it comes out again. That's a conceptual impression. It's accurate in terms of a concept. You go to any you know, medical thing or examination, that's what breathing does. It's in through your nose, into your lungs, and out again. That, but that's conceptual. You don't experience that. You experience swelling and flushing and energy. That's what you directly experience. How do you experience that? Through attention. So we're attending. We're not saying, I've got to get concentrated. That's that's an idea. I'm not even saying I have to get calm. That may happen or it may not. But me trying to get calm isn't going to make it happen. Me trying to get concentrated isn't going to make it happen. And you've probably been doing that for many years. Stop doing it. Don't concern yourself with it. Be attentive to breathing in, breathing out. To actually how it is. And get your mind to change from being the director of meditation to being the cooperator in a process of regulation. And the body does the regulating. Your mind has a part to play. Most of the part has to play is the quiet and down, stop pushing, stop worrying, stop trying to make something happen, and instead be receptive. Listen to it. That's, a, that's definitely, we're doing something. And who knows? But bodies are alive. They're intelligent. They're sensitive. If you're not dominating them with your mind, it's like any other creature. It begins to come alive and it feels itself. And it feels itself, it doesn't feel about itself. It directly experiences a little bit of freedom to breathe in and breathe out. And because of that, mind stepping back, not intruding, brings to breathe more freely. And then you can feel it, feel the energies more freely. Now, if we look in the sutta, the Buddha doesn't say concentrate. The word concentrate does not appear. Be mindful. It doesn't say concentrate on breathing, on your body. It doesn't say concentrate on your energies. It doesn't say concentrate on anything. Be mindful. What's the difference? Mindful, we're just sort of open, dispassionately aware. Stay certainly there's a sort of concentration that we're staying with it rather than drifting off onto something else. 
So you could say that's a kind of concentration. But we're not concentrating on the breathing. We're actually concentrating, if you like, on holding a focus, staying with it. Now, if you go through the scriptures, suttas, you won't find the Buddha saying concentrate on anything. It's not a term he uses. He never says concentrate on anything. He says, my mind became concentrated. I concentrated my mind. It became concentrated. But he didn't say concentrate on a thing. What he does, what is described is the quality of mindfulness as the body regulates itself, brings around a collected steady state as happy. As the mind settles into that, it concentrates itself into itself. The jitta concentrates or collects its energies instead of spinning out into thoughts and hopes and fears, its energies are collected together. This collecting together, consolidation and settling of energy is called samadhi concentration and it's marked by happiness and ease you can't make that happen but you can cooperate with a process that brings that around now one of the problems with the english word concentration it's normally applied to concentrating on the cooking, concentrating on solving a problem, concentrating on um, a book, concentrating on an object, concentrating on writing an essay. We concentrate on an object, but that's not samadhi. That's attention holding attention say that's not samadhi because samadhi is the mind is collected its energies are collected in itself so the energies are being spun out energies are collected and gathered together and steadied and we, and the body and the breathing brings that around not an act of will doesn't bring it around Please check it out. Samadhi is used pretty commonly, but it's never concentrated on an object. It's a state of being collected, settled and composed. And nimitta, this word, is an instance where it's used. And I believe I have it in one of these texts probably the second text, you want to take your time. The four establishments of mindfulness are the nimitta of samadhi. The nimitta of samadhi are the four establishments of mindfulness. What does this word nimitta mean? Okay. Simile of the cook. 
where the meditator doesn't notice, the cook doesn't notice the nimitta of the king being pleased. He doesn't pay attention. He doesn't notice the king is pleased by the food or displeased by the food. He doesn't get the sign of the king being pleased. Similarly, the unskillful meditator who cultivates mindfulness and sampajana, full knowing, diligently, he doesn't pick up the hint that is happening where the jitta feels happy. So therefore, doesn't settle, fetters are not released, corruptions are not abolished because it didn't pick up the nimitta. Nimitta is used in a range of contexts. It generally means a feature or a sign or a characteristic. Um, there's an example when Ananda was asking the, the Buddha, well, you know, the Buddha said, I could live I could live for a long time, you know, Ananda. Uh, I could live to the end of the eon if I wished. Ananda doesn't pick up the hint. The Buddha is saying, you should ask me. He doesn't pick up the hint. So he doesn't say, oh, please, please stay, live for a long time. So he doesn't pick up the hint. What's the hint? The nimitta. The Buddha gives him a clue. He doesn't pick it up. Right, the mind is giving you a clue. You're not picking it up. Right, the four establishments of mindfulness are not properly established. You're not picking it up. You're not noticing it. Instead, you're concentrating rather than being mindful. When you're trying to get something to happen, instead of being mindful, aware of what is happening, you're not getting the hint. So therefore. That's the nimitta. And it could say in this context where it's being used, it kind of like it's a quality, a sign that comes from your nervous system. Now, other contexts is used in a negative context. Greed is the nimitta. You see a pile of fruit or cakes that you really enjoy and you, you light up. That's the nimitta. Hatred is a nimitta. You see someone you dislike and you feel sour and your heart sinks and your heart gets bitter. That's a nimitta. You're getting a sign, a sign of hatred. Delusion. Your mind is spinning around, proliferating and diverting itself. Do you know that? That's another sign. Sign of delusion. That's a nimitta too. So there are skillful and unskillful nimittas, and these are the, the kind of reflexes that happen that gives you this kind of flash of, of experience. That's how the term is used in the suttas. Now, often when people refer to a light, they're referring to an experience that's talked about in the Visuddhimagga, which is a meditation manual that was composed about a 900, a 1,000 years after the time of the Buddha. 
and it's a long topic. I don't want to get too long-winded about it, but essentially they were describing a kind of meditation where you gazed at a particular object and you tried to fixate upon it until you got this impression in your mind and then you could refer to this mental impression, a reflex image, until you got this subtle mental image. Uh, a little light occurs. And maybe that's the case. But actually, the Buddha didn't teach it. So I wouldn't bother with it. Looking for lights. Uh, if the Buddha didn't teach it, we think it could be interesting, but it's not essential. Instead, notice the nimbitas that do occur. And it seems to me one of the nimbitas that's occurring for here is the nimbitter of strain. Straining. And the nimbitter of despair. Something feels saddened. There's a nimbitter for you. Uh, right? You're getting them, but it's a sign. You're cultivating in a way that's not suitable. Back off. Go back to basics. Try to be aware of, simply aware of breathing in. By how the body breathes, what it feels like, directly in the body's own terms. Not in terms of a meditation manual. Not in terms of what I'm telling you. But in terms of how you experience it. Get direct. Right? That's the... That's the, that's the process. And listen, and you'll begin to sense, oh, I do feel a sign of relief or gladness or, yeah, there's your nimiter. If it becomes incumbent, don't even bother with the idea because <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> it's, it's mentioned, but again, you don't even have to think about it. <laughs> really too much, let alone make it a, a goal. Uh, and so this way and really, because then all this mental stuff obstructs the process of just purely attending to this, this breathing process. You don't want this mental clutter obstructing your practice. Uh, you don't want all this jargon in the way if you don't need it, it doesn't support you. Drop it, get fresh, get direct, get immediate, and uh, stay with it. Trust the process. So were there some other questions? Someone's asking about, you know, many retreats. It seems to be the case they don't go through the 16 steps. The teacher just says, just be aware of breathing. I think in terms of retreats, the teacher probably finds a standard they feel most people can can get to be with, um, can use skillfully and, you know, don't necessarily go through all of this process because it is, um, you know, it's quite a process. So they maybe just say, just be with breathing. And perhaps the sense is, well, eventually things will kind of happen by themselves. If you're with that, there is a naturalness to the process. But I do sense that the Buddha himself, one monk said to him, oh, I do this Anapana, 
breathing and I feel quite happy but he didn't go through all the 16 stages and the Buddha said no that's not correct you need to go through this whole process um, the stuff you haven't even recognized yet that you will only penetrate through covering this process so he did seem to feel it was essential for what he was what he was teaching and expressing um you know, the quality of effort, the person questions where they're constantly making an effort to do this and making an effort to do that. They just end up, you know, is that really helpful? Can you just be aware of it? Well, you know, what happens is stuff comes up uh, and then you have to deal with it. So, yeah, it'd be nice if you could just sit there and be aware of breathing and let it happen. It'd be nice. But, you know, most people have got a bit of stuff, a bit of damage, a bit of grit in the system that needs to be kind of cleaned out. <laughs> and that takes not a suppressive effort, but the effort to sustain, maintain patient whole body awareness in order to process, let that stuff pass through and clean out. You know, person saying, well, if you keep, Mindfulness and morality, shouldn't it be joy and happiness just follow automatically? Why do we do all this stuff through breathing to make joyfulness happen? Why can't we just be with the way it is? Um, well, you're not trying to create joy and happiness, but the fact is that people do keep precepts and don't feel joy and happiness. I live in monasteries full of people who keep precepts. Keep all kinds of precepts, stacked full of precepts. They're not experiencing joy and happiness. <laughs> I mean, it's not, they're not entirely miserable, but they're not. <laughs> because that's great. Keeping precepts is certainly essential uh, to stop doing more damage. But still, there is, there is accumulations and residues, not just what we've done, but what we've had done to us. We've lived in toxic environments. We've lived in deluded scenarios which have affected and impaired us. We've come out groggy. We've come out dazed. We've come out unbalanced for one reason or another. Yeah. And if you just be aware of it, yeah, okay, maybe in the long run that will help. But it's like, you know, sometimes it's good to do a massage. And how hard that massage is, it's up to you. Sometimes you don't want to take a, a sauna. Sometimes, you know, people do seek joy and happiness. And the thing is, if you don't find it in meditation, then you're going to find it in Netflix. Or you're going to find it in McDonald's. Or you're going to find it on the beach somewhere. Because for sure, people want it. And the idea is, yeah, this one comes through skill and essentially through clearing dross and residues, which should be cleared. Yeah. And it takes diligence and effort to do that. Joy and happiness comes as a kind of result of that, but not through craving for joy and happiness, but basically through diligently and carefully and compassionately working with difficulties and clearing them, you find, oh, I feel pretty joyful. It's a natural consequence of skillful application. So let's um, pause for this evening. 
or joy and happiness. <laughs> Not a bad place to stop, is it? <laughs>